What's up, guys? My name is Sean. I'm here with another episode, Shots with Sean. I'm here with uh, Max Woodward, a good uh, longtime friend of mine. Um, we're here at Sheko Beach. Um, if you want to see more of the south side of Hong Kong, I highly recommend coming and visiting this place. So, uh, before we start, we're going to have a shot, if you don't mind, Max. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Happy to. Sure. What time is it? 11.17. <laughs> Alright, let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. Strong. <laughs> I haven't had vodka in a while. Um, Max, for the viewers out there, they probably don't know who you are, so maybe just give like a little bit of an introductory for yourself. Yeah, no, it's, it's nice to be chatting. Uh, obviously, you've been pals for a while. Um, I'm a Hong Kong kid, I was born and raised here, went to high school here, um, went away for a little bit to study and things like that in the UK, uh, but you know, Hong Kong's always been home to me, I, I love this place and uh, I'm just back now, so playing professional rugby here in Hong Kong for, for Hong Kong, um, it's pretty much a rough summary of uh, me and, and uh, my life I guess. Nice, Yeah. cool, thanks for having me on. Pleasure. So. Uh, I want to just start by saying you obviously were always in kind of an athlete growing up. Um, when you were younger, you used to play football and rugby at the same time, was it? Yeah. So what made you choose uh, rugby and football? Because I see a lot of these um, younger athletes, they have to choose between football and rugby in Hong Kong. Yeah. Why did you go through the rugby path? Oh, it's a good question. I mean, I, I, like at, at school, you know, as long as, as for as long as I can remember, I was, I was sports mad, you know, like but football and rugby, we were lucky enough in Hong Kong to not have to really choose massively until late. Mm. So I was able to play football and rugby up, into, up to the highest standard I could until I was uh, sort of you know, 18 and I had to go to university. I think to be honest with you, the, where the games differ is why I, why I went down the rugby path. Like I, wasn't, I was never the most gifted athlete, um, but I, I was pretty diligent and I worked hard mm. uh, in, in both games, you know, like, and I think rugby kind of allows you to succeed a bit more as a grafter, you know, maybe if you, do, you are lacking that natural ability, whereas football is a lot more of a technical sport, mm. you know, the competition is crazy, I, I feel like to get, to get to the top level or to a high, a high level in football, you know, you, there's a lot more a lot more emphasis based on the skill element, you know, for these gifted athletes and things like that. So, like for me, the reason why I chose rugby was because I, I felt that I could succeed at it as a as a grafter, as someone that just worked hard, and that was kind of like what I based my game around. Understand. So you currently play in two different setups. Is it is it the fifteens and the sevens? Sort of, yeah. So we do. Well, I guess I technically my job is to play sevens but i'm a i can play 15s if i need to play so the two two separate games um but we yeah two two separate teams that kind of like you you represent both but in the last three or four years you've kind of mm. focused on one uh rather than the other okay i mean you, you hear it from every hong kong kid every hong kong traveler the rugby sevens the rugby sevens i've heard it all from fans what is it like to be as a player to play in such a huge, big tournament? Watch all over the world. I mean, it's Hong Kong's biggest sporting event. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I've been. How many years have you played in it now? Played five, five times, I think. Now wow. four or five. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I missed a couple through injury. I missed one year when I was playing in Japan. Uh, 
so yeah four or five but it's just I mean it, as a kid playing sport in Hong Kong it was always you know something that I wanted to do and play in the sevens and you know it's funny how you transition from a kid you know watching with your parents then you transition to being a nuisance and going in all the boxes yeah. and getting the softballs and then being 18 and going to South Stand and then now playing like that whole thing coming off coming like that whole sort of process is quite good to think about mm. um, but it's just for, 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 for a sport like we're just so lucky for a sport like rugby which is not massively popular in Hong Kong the fact that we are able to have that event is incredible mm. absolutely incredible you know like we're very 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 lucky here like to be able to you know rep represent the country in that you know a lot of other countries don't have that uh, which is which is awesome. And it's just cool because people get behind it, you know. Admittedly, just for one weekend, <laughs> yeah. uh, but like but. it's 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 pretty special. Do you know why that is? Is it because the rugby setup, the funding is done so well? Because I know on on the football side of Hong Kong, obviously, it's, it's not like the best setup on grassroots level. Um, is there a good setup in grassroots level for rugby, or is it just kind of for that seven setup and the money that's involved in it? It's I was always curious to know because I never really. It's understood. a good question. The, seven, the rugby sevens generates a lot of money, a lot of money, which get, obviously with funding that allows you the freedom, mm. you know, you, you have, you're able to spend money on the game, which is great. But one thing in Hong Kong, that mini rugby is massively popular here. Mini rugby. Playing numbers of like six year olds to probably about 12 year olds is really, really big. Wow, okay. It's a popular, real popular, uh, pastime on Sundays for, mm. for you know parents and kids um, and the, so there's that which is super popular and I think the rugby union does a great job of, of harnessing that mini mini rugby sort of community um, then they're obviously lucky enough to have the seven so that they can fund the, the seven generates all the money for the for the rugby union you know and then it's it's so it's we're very very lucky that we have that event and that m m money allows money to be spent on the sort of mini stuff which is good yeah, every year when I when I watch rugby seven sevens, what I've noticed is like the the amount of speed that you guys generate as players is crazy. What, what, what's the biggest difference would you say between rugby sevens and like fifteen aside? I mean, obviously I said it right now. It's like the speed, the fact of the speed. The game is more open. Would you say that's the biggest thing, or is there more technical ability involved because you have a little bit more time on the ball? Yeah, I mean, overall the game, you're right, spot on, the game's faster, so that needs to be reflected in who plays. Mm. 15s is a lot more technically position specific. Okay. So you have like certain players who do certain roles, uh, and then, but in sevens you kind of need everyone to do the same role. You, know, you need everyone to be relatively fast, you need everyone to run for 14 minutes, you need everyone to execute harder skills, like long passes, um, tackling other people in bigger space so okay. so this it's it's a lot more i think it's a lot more um tough on the individual skill set so i think collectively you need more individuals with a higher skill set to play in a sevens side because yeah. the roles are less specific you need everyone to kind of be the same mm -hmm. same type of player yeah um kind of would be the difference really yeah that's actually kind of similar to the soccer sevens in a way you've got to be ridiculously fit you have to play your position. You have to be like committed, and obviously, technically, it has to be there. Because like when you have more space in the ball, I feel sometimes you make more mistakes. Because there's so much, there's so much time on the ball. Yeah, you yeah. Need to really be careful. Um, 
Yeah, fitness is a huge thing. Uh, so I've known you for a long, long time, and I've seen you on Instagram, seen you training. What's your training like? Come like that's gonna help you play the field. Have you have you changed over time, or have you have, do you have like a certain type of training ethos that you follow to help you produce the results in the field? I think like for me again back to the to the start when I sort of said that I was kind of a jack or trade master of none. Mm. Um, like I've learned what I've learned massively in the last you know five or six years is to really double down on your strengths double down as an athlete okay. uh, rather than you know try and push try and improve yourself in every single facet of the game so rather than trying to get faster if you're not if you're not genetically the the, the quick one mm. you're not going to be that much quicker you know so what i mean is like i focus more on my skill set so my repeatability can i get fitter can i just work for longer um things like that and my training has definitely changed in the sense that like i think you can be like my training ethos is i need to be as strong and as mobile and as uh fast as I can be mm. at my weight and then I need to be able to repeat all that okay. again and again and again okay. uh, so that you're effective for like your whole 14 minutes and so training wise I guess my thought process is to concentrate on things that I think I'm good at right. and then double that down and then know my role and things like that yeah I think most athletes especially on a semi-pro or amateur level that that's the biggest mistake they make they think they can like do everything and be good at something but if they don't hone in on their old skills they kind of they suffer in that yeah myself included I always think oh I can I can train boxing and do football I can bodybuild I can do whatever I can but I'm never really fine-tuning what I can and as I grow older with experience and accumulation of injuries you start to cut it down you're like okay I'm so start to focus on certain things especially during how the season tails out massively so, and it's like we uh, what we were chatting to before mm. before you sat here about essentialism and yeah like you know within a team environment especially you probably will have a role mm -hmm. you know specific that's kind of to your strengths and it's quite you know i think it's important to hone in on that and add value where you are going to add the most value rather sure. than sort of trying to spread yourself thin across as many areas as possible 100 percent. i think it's like i mean i always use this correlation it's like when you go out and you're, you're dating right you, you have the option of meeting so many different girls uh, but if you actually commit to one, actually, sometimes it could be really, really good, you know? So it's like, in that yeah. kind of sense, it's like, yeah, it's fun to meet different people. It's fun to try new skills and all that stuff. But, you know, where do you see your true potential? If you can try and sacrifice and put all your energy into that, then I think you can grow. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I, think, I think I've definitely learned that a lot in the last few years, like that essentialism concept. And you're, there, is, there is something freeing about commitment. Mm to whatever that might be, cause, a person, mm -hmm. uh, something like that, you know, and, and it, 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 the, your dating analogy is, is spot on. Uh, and like, you know, I think it's something that we can focus on because by buying into something wholeheartedly, you, you're, if you fail, then at least you're giving it a nudge, exactly. you know? I think people get scared of, of, of locking down on something that they, that they, that they like and they, they have the fear of missing out. Yeah. But we have such a long life you know you, you can always go back to it you can always try different things but give it a shot you know don't give up too easily that's what yeah, I think literally yeah. <laughs> so going back to your training I find it really interesting um, complementing it with your with your diet um, are you on the carnivore diet now or is it just this kind of a 
Yeah, I've had a bit of an experiment, you know, like a sort of a training and diet renaissance in the last two or three years. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I've sort of got into this, it seems to me the most successful people in training, uh, you know, and nutrition are the ones sort of advocating the sort of keto carnivore style of diet. Um, you know, that's, that, that, that they're not really afraid to try things that are new. Um, so I guess in the last two years, I've shifted away from like the sort of standard diet of, you know, chicken breast and broccoli and rice and mm. to more, more animal focus. So I would say like I, I experimented probably about a year that like was predominantly only me. Realized that wasn't probably the best for performance. I think aesthetics is great. Um, but basically <clears throat> shifting now to like where the, I like to call it like a sort of animal based diet. So animal, so it would be a carnivore base. So the majority of my calories will come from red meat. Okay. And then in and around training, I can feel if, if it's heavy training, strength work or like heavy, uh, conditioning work, I can fuel my muscles with extra glycogen, you know, with white rice and oats and things like that. Uh, but my sort of theory about it and why I think it's so good is you don't actually have to eat that much. Your body becomes a bit more efficient at using fat for fuel and the volume of food you have to eat is a lot less overall and you're still maintaining weight. Wow, interesting. I feel like, okay. you know, you see it a lot. I mean, you know, you're a trainer as well. You yeah. must see it. You know, people are trying to put on weight, just shoveling food, you know, oats and rice by the like the kilo. And I don't think our bodies are really designed to do that. Found shifting away from that and making fat and red the majority of my fuel source i don't need much of it okay interesting so is is that, are you saying that your calorie count at the end of the day is less than you expected it to be much less yeah oh wow so um, then it must be better on your gut do you think how's your digestive system feel after kind of like a, a higher I, I, it's a, I think it's as good it's as good as it's ever been you oh, know wow, like i might not like don't really have any digestive issues <laughs> i know it's super controversial because it's kind of like you kind of come into this space where it's like macro counting versus uh the opposite you know mm -hmm. and th that always clashes in the in the sort of nutrition and yeah. training space right like people like disagree a lot with that and mm -hmm. like i guess what i'm saying is i i don't know i think that i'm able to maintain weight while not having to count on my calories all the time okay, you know because great. i've become a bit more efficient you know with with sticking to very very nutrient dense food yeah very calorie dense food so maybe it, i am matching my calories that's why i'm not losing weight I don't know, you know, because obviously the density of calories within fat and protein is a lot higher mm. than mm. than other other macro sources like carbohydrates and things like that. I understand. So, what is uh, Max Woodward's like daily food? If you could say it in a nutshell, like today or let's say a training day. Yeah. What would your daily consult? Like, what exactly are you eating? It doesn't have to be the numbers. Just yeah, that's a good. So, I'll just be before I was. I was trying to train with very, very limited carbohydrates. Low carbs, okay. And I don't, and I don't think it was success. My experiment didn't work, essentially. I would imagine so, for yeah. me too, but. <laughs> yeah, so like my, if you follow these guys like Paul Saladino, uh, you know, the guys in this carnival diet space who, who are, they're doctors, they're far more knowledgeable than me. They, they sort of hypothesize that your body is more effective if it uses ketones as fuel. Okay. Um, and that your kidney can produce glycogen, so which fuels itself from just protein, protein yeah, yeah. right? But I don't think it's enough. I think, you know, you look at endurance athletes and things like that, I think they can do it, but short 
short bursts of exercise, fighters, you know, sport, uh, basketball players, rugby players, guys like that, I, th I don't think it's enough. I um, so I will have a bulletproof coffee to start the day. So it'd be grass-fed butter, some MCT oil, nice. and some coffee. I would then train and have a steak for lunch and a steak for dinner. Wow, okay. And that's it. That's it. That was not enough. I was very, depl very depleted in training. You know, I would okay. be firing for the first 20 minutes and yep. as soon as that um, sort of fuel source is gone, mm. my body's looking for uh, glycogen, glycogen stores, yeah. glycogen yeah. stores which is just, does, there's none. And I'm, I, like, well, I felt great for the first 20 minutes and then after a while I would just be zonked. Yeah. Now, on a heavy training day, if I'm training, say, three times a day, which is usual for the rugby stuff, would you be bulletproof coffee, same, same as before. Mm. Um, not everyone's cup of tea, not everyone sort of agrees with that sort of stuff, but you know, I, I feel like it works for me a little bit. Yeah. Like, I feel, I feel good. Um, then strength work. Yeah. Uh, and then big thing of overnight oats. Okay. So yeah. there's coconut milk, cacao. Nice. Raspberries, blueberries, a uh, little bit of honey little bit of jam uh, just for some sugars and then train and then it'll be just rice and red meat okay. train <laughs> and then dinner would just be rice and red meat on a training day and then I try and limit that carbohydrate uh, source on off days as okay. much as I can yeah I think that's, that's that sounds like a good mix I also agree with you that like I think I've never been an advocate of carbs too, but like when you have carbs in my system, I do feel a little bit more. I have, because I mean, the sports that we play, they require a lot of fast twitch fibers, type mm. two muscle fibers. So you need that explosive, explosive energy. And I think, as you said, you will start to plateau after the first 20 minutes. You just don't really have that much stores in your body. So I think as at this, this type of sport, I, I agree that you would probably need it, just on my theory also alone. Yeah, so I definitely think it's like, I feel like, especially if you're talking about gen, general, like sort of general people training and or athletes, I'd like to think of carbohydrates and as a top up. Mm. So you need <clears> them to perform like that extra little bit, like but not as your base fuel source. Fuel source right. um, like that's what kind of like what I'm in the mindset in now. Understand? Uh, yeah. So actually, like I was. Um I wanted to talk about how your trip to, because you recently went to America, was it? Yeah. Uh, how long were you gone for during that time? It was, this was, okay, so if the viewers don't actually know, Max went to go travel to the US uh, and it was during the pandemic, wasn't it? Kind of, yeah, was it was, it? I think I was one of the only person, one of the only people in the world who was sort of cruising around at that time. It was in um, September, about August, September time. Nice. So I went to the US uh, for, three months and then sort of navigated my way back to Hong Kong uh, through Sweden Okay. because wow. uh, just to avoid hotel quarantines and things like that oh is that what you did okay. yeah yeah okay, okay. so I, I stayed I went as a, when I was in the States I knew the States was on Hong Kong's naughty list so would be a hotel quarantine rather than a home quarantine so I flew to Sweden for two weeks met up with my mum had two weeks in Stockholm and then came back here uh, so, and I was able to quarantine on this roof, like basically on this roof, <laughs> which was a lot, a lot more, a lot uh, easier than a hotel quarantine. Nice, nice. So where, um, what, what states did you travel to in America? Did I, you have a plan or you just kind of went with it? I kind of had a gen, gen, general plan of 
staying in California in San Diego, the nice. city that I've been to bef before that I know quite well. Uh, and I, I worked at a gym there and trained at a gym there with a, with a you know, guy who I really, really look up to, um, who, who owns, a, owns a gym. And it was, it was nice just to take some time for myself. Uh, but I stayed there pretty much the whole time. Um, had a little, little uh, sabbatical in Mexico for a couple of days, which was mega. Where in Mexico? Um, place called like Guadalupe. Okay. It's like just over the border from San Diego. Um, and it's like wine, like wine country in Mexico. Like mm. kind of, it's in like Baja, like that stretch. My geography is rubbish, but that stretch of land um, just over, that's connected to the States. Okay. It kind okay. of juts out like a peninsula. And then there's like a few areas there nice. uh, that are cool to visit. Very cool. Yeah. What was your favorite place when you went to America? Because I love America. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, like San Diego is brilliant. Like Mexico is mega uh, yeah. cool, but San Diego, just the lifestyle there. I feel like no, it's not it's not like Hong Kong or or L.A. where everyone's kind of in the rat race to try and impress everyone else. Mm. San Diego, I feel like everyone has just gone there with a sort of general collective idea that they're all just keen to just have a nice life. You know, live by the ocean. It's very relaxed. It's very low key. It's 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 just great. So that was. I mean, that's it's my favorite place in the states. Admittedly, I've not been to many places, but it's mega. Was was the weather like this? Or? Yeah. Oh wow. Banging. You know, I I I met up with uh, some guys who own a uh, like a budgie smuggler company called Noodle Bags. Oh yeah. Yeah okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, budgie smuggler is actually their competitor, but like um, and like hung out them the whole time and they were absolutely fantastic okay. like really great bunch of guys but it was it was it was really interesting being there to be honest with you because it's just you know kind of amidst this like pandemic type thing and just people were just cracking on with life as, as best they could yeah which was good if you don't mind me asking what was the reason why you wanted to travel to america my whole career with rugby and stuff was on hold with all the tournaments being cancelled and things like that and i just thought you know it was the only time I'll have in the next couple of years, given that I'm towards the end of my career where I can actually take some time away from rugby and mm. training um, and just like slow down, have a think about what I want out of life um, and like, you know, spend a lot of time by myself, which was fantastic. Um, so I just wanted to, and it was just a place that I knew, a place that I like, and I, I kind of like wanted to see, I've not really lived outside of Hong Kong so much, you know, we used to live in Tokyo, right? Yeah, I lived in Tokyo for a year, uh, but like, I, it's nice to experience. So we, we get we get it great here. It's very very Hong Kong is is amazing, amazing city, but it's quite sheltered. Uh, so it's nice to go out and see other things and like live somewhere, you know, and maybe have a you know if it, if I come back and it makes me appreciate Hong Kong even more, amazing. If I come back and it makes me want to explore anywhere else, then then great too. Uh, but it was just basically some time time away uh, to learn from people that I look up to training wise to meet new people to interact with new people uh, it was, that's pretty much the reasons of the trip and I, I think I got what I wanted out of it to be honest with you yeah, I think when I when I heard that I was like oh wow Max is doing this during a pandemic I think that's really cool we actually probably not only me but many other people probably looked up to you in that sense that like you took that risk and you're like yeah why not like now's the time and not many people would have done that Back then, it was like the pandemic was completely new. People don't know, didn't know about it. So, obviously, like 
a little bit of a risk, a little bit of a reward for what you were looking for. So that's great. Yeah, massively. You know, I'm, I'm, it was there was a big opportunity cost. I missed out on a lot of stuff in Hong Kong. Like, I, I sort of regret a little bit. Um, but in the end, I think it was a good thing. And it was good, really, really good. It's just, I, there's so much value in like uh, meeting people and, and learning new things, especially in the fields that you're passionate about, mm -hmm. you know, with training. And these mm -hmm. guys have like, done what I want to do you know open gyms and train train young athletes and and things like that so it's, it's it's it was really cool yeah I think it's really important I think especially now we're at an age where it's all online you know and we're like kind of missing out on that like being in the skin meeting that person learning like I learned the most when I was on the floor learning from my old boss well yeah my old boss he taught me so much because like I was in in the flesh learning it like anything online is good you can read out of a book but when you actually do it and you're meeting the person i think you you absorb so much more yeah hugely so. and obviously I, I you know i was very 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 fortunate to be in the position where i can afford to travel and i i was able to very gratefully to take some time off my training you know so thank like you know so so lucky mm. you know and like and I, I i do express such gratitude for that but yeah, like you said, it's we're losing that. That touch a little bit, yeah. Yeah, we're losing. People get people are scared of each other. Yes. You know, everyone's wearing masks. No one, you know, no one's congregating. You know, it's 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 nice to just go out and do stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing how the mindset has developed over over, over the past year and how people have have like kind of you know, there's so many conflicting ideas about the virus, what you should do, what you should not do, and like getting the vaccine, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And it's like, it's kind of like turned people into a shell a little bit, like this cabin fever, you know? Yeah, I was living with uh, with Adam and like, we we were staying at home a lot and um, I didn't like it because I'm a very active person, but like, he kind of liked it, mm. which is fine, no problem. But I, I just feel like as human beings, like we're creatures that we should be moving and constantly meeting people. And we've kind of lost that, you know, in a way. I hope once this thing has ended, people can kind of, see the light in the sense that like oh, okay we've been out for so long let's try and congregate and be a better community but that who am i to say what's going to happen yeah it's i mean that's <laughs> you're right it's tough it's but i think you obviously know just from the outside and just my own experiences of it it just creates we kind of taken we've taken away from like what's important to the individual like that's fine it should it shouldn't matter that one person likes to be maybe more introverted and one person likes to be more extroverted that's great like but we need to respect that people are different we keep grouping people in mm. into this like vaccine this vaccine that mask this mask that and it just creates so much division and people are, and it's it's not good you know and like, we kind of need just for stuff to just get get back to normal 100 percent. so max you've had like uh pretty bad knee injury right yeah you don't have an acl is that what it is no acl at the moment okay how did that happen so I ruptured my ACL three times now. I ruptured it for the first time non-contact when I was 19, maybe 20. Um, like, you know, you, from a training perspective, I don't know what you, what you think, but I, I think non-contact ruptures of ligaments are indicative of like poor conditioning. Okay. I don't think you should be able to snap your ACL with no one near you unless you're poorly conditioned. So like, and it was kind of around a time when my body was developing, I was just getting into training, mm. you know, like I probably didn't know enough. My training wasn't good enough. You know, I was trying to just like probably just bench loads and you know, no, nothing else. 
um, and then I rehabbed that, uh, and I was I was arrogant. I thought I was I thought I knew better than others who knew far more than me, and I tried to come back and play after six months. Mm. Ruptured it straight away again, so there'd be double two ACL ruptures wow. in the space of space of space of a year, um, which was which is my fault completely, but it was kind of the period of time where I was developing as an athlete and uh, I was really gunning to try and make it as a, as a professional rugby athlete in the UK. Mm. And I was, you know, stuff was looking good there, but it was tough to come back from that. So I got it reconstructed again. So it's be second recon. This would have been in 2011, probably. Uh, and that, that lasted a while, that was a good one. Um, I finished off at uni, I came back to Hong Kong, I played in Hong Kong for a bit, a little bit, started playing for the seven side, everything was looking good, I was kind of like, you know, maybe I wanted to try to make it in the UK, didn't quite do that, you know, variety of reasons, you know, one probably not being quite good enough, also a bad knee, um, and then I was playing rugby in Hong Kong and I sort of spun out of a contact and heard like a ripping and I was like oh, this feels weird like I don't but I just played on it was yeah. it was all right played on for a bit played on for a bit uh for a few weeks and then decided to get a scan and I'd ruptured it for a third time wow that's crazy so I mean I wow. think like based on sort of reading and stuff it seems like once you've had a rupture there's a lot of scar tissue in there so that initial gunshot sort of like pop the first one that doesn't happen again for okay. the for the re-ruptures re because there's so much scar tissue I didn't know that okay um so you can sort of go, you know, th without knowing. And then sort of the third time I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna go down the operative route, I'm gonna go down the conservative route. And it, that kind of really catalyzed my journey into strength and conditioning and being so passionate about training and diet and health and things like that. Because I was like, I'm gonna try and everything I do in my power, I'm, I'm gonna keep doing what I love and nothing, I'll, it's just non-negotiable. I'm gonna keep playing rugby. Um, and then from then, luckily, like my, the best development I'd ever had in terms of an athlete, in terms of a player, came after that third ACL rupture. So now, you know, touch wood, I'm still going for eight years since the third rupture. Wow. And it's, 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 it feels good, uh, you know, a few more years left, hopefully. But that's pretty much the, the history of the knee injury. You've, you've had the same? Yeah, ACL and meniscus, partial tear of the meniscus for ACL. But mine was through contact and full tear, so I heard it. Yeah. Well, there you go, kids. That's some motivation for you to not give up if you have an injury. I mean, you and I both know what it feels like. It sucks. It yeah. really is tough. So, I mean, I, I went with the mindset like, okay, I still feel it today, but like I've, I, I wanted to make it as strong, if not stronger, yeah. like, when I went to that rehab process. So it's... Uh, it's quite an interesting thing. How to long? Have. Well, how many years are you now post-op? So I did mine December 2018. No, was it 18 or 19? I think in December 2018 I did it. Yeah. Mm. So I tore it then and then. So now it's 2021. Yeah, it's, it's such a intrusive injury mm. and it's so common. Um, it's psychological too, for sure. Yeah. I and I, I would love to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, where I would like to go after rugby is perhaps down the route of training and helping people out with stuff like this. You know, I think just from experience and I think there's definitely an element of if you are strong and mobile in a, from a prehab standpoint, that your risk of injury is a lot less. Um, and then post, 
you know, everyone sort of goes, oh, ACL this, your, your career's gone, you know. I think that's not right, yeah. you know, like, so you just keep keep coming at it. Uh, and I, I don't, and I feel it's nice to go down the, the conservative route of not operating, to be honest with you. If people, if people can play without it through rehab and things like that, and you don't have to have surgery, then great. But I think we should try that a little bit more. Okay just at least have a go at it you know if the stability is there like i'm not obviously not surgeon yeah. not physio uh but from experience like it's nice for people to give it a go no doubt yeah i think your story will will encourage a lot of people to take that route and also i'm sure you'll help a lot of people especially yeah, during training or after rugby i think it's a good route to go yeah i hope so so max i wanted to talk about your tattoos anyone who has tattoos on my show i gotta talk about it all so right it's interesting far away is that your new one oh, no, this is one i've seen uh yeah so i had i had no tattoos like about three years ago and just lost the plot a little bit you were like me right yeah yeah um yeah so i kind of just i got a stupid one when i was in vegas which one is that yeah <laughs> nice so since then i uh was just like well i've i i guess to be honest with you i'd always wanted them but i didn't have the nutsack to go for it for actual ones that i thought were cool Okay. Um, so, but after this one, I was like, oh, well, it's, well, I'm, well, I'm in now. So I might as well try, try hard with the cool ones. Well, okay. at least um, uh, how I perceive to be cool. I think it's cool. Yeah. Um, but these are few in Hong Kong, like everything's kind of like, kind of got like a bit of a Asian flair to it, I suppose, mm. like Hong Kong and then like a Japanese style one that um, I got done in Swedish with a Swedish artist, a Swedish artist. Yeah. Who's absolutely fantastic. And we've kind of like, blossomed into a cool relationship uh i, I train train him and stuff oh, yeah. like that online <laughs> yeah and he's an absolute hero like supremely talented like oh, wow. every like like crazy like uh but yeah i thought where i feel like you've you've got the these in the last like what four or five years yeah 2017 i think was my first tattoo yeah the, the one here and i just always, i was just surrounded by people and i was like in the gym i was like i fucking want it and then like i just got it and then ever since then i just Kind of do you feel like i feel like once you've got a big one that's quite visible it doesn't matter the it's for me it's like black and white it's like the aesthetic you you have tattoos now yeah, yeah. so it doesn't matter if you've got one or 12 right yeah if you have none then getting one is 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 a big jump, a big jump right yeah. but once you have one you look like you have tattoos especially the bigger ones the bit yeah that stand yeah. out for but sure i'm not getting any more <laughs> You're not. Genuinely, I'm finished. Oh, wow. I'm gonna finish this whole thing. I was about to ask, what is yeah. your next tattoo? I'm gonna cut, get this all colored in, okay. and then I'm That's tapping it. out, Fair. retiring, put my money elsewhere. <laughs> I think yeah. people get in the trap of like, then they're, they're quickly realize they're all fully covered. They're like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> I'm fully covered. Do you, I've been thinking about this. Do you th find you get them when, at certain times, emotionally or things like that? Hmm. Good question. I don't think so. I've always just want to be like, I like this type of uh, artwork. I want to get it. Mm. I, th they all have meaning, but it's not such deep meaning. You mm. know? Yeah. I don't really, you know, correlate how deep my... They all have meaning to it, but it's just a story that I've made up that I feel comfortable yeah, yeah. with. I don't attach it so much. I completely... Well, I, I, if someone says I got it because I think, I, I think it looks cool, I'm 100% fair enough. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I only... I Because I, now I've thought about it, I've definitely... It's definitely a vice for me I think mm. it's definitely times of like high emotion positive and negative okay I've got a tattoo oh okay, okay, okay. yeah 
Uh, and I've also I, been very high when I've got one of my tattoos. Really? Which one? <laughs> one of my neck. I, I took like I was in Thailand and I was bored. I was like, ah, I want to get this one. I'm Persian. What was that? This one here. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was. That's like, a very footballer tattoo. That <laughs> yeah, one. I, know. I just yeah. like Bieber, Neymar, Beckham. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> just like. That's but, an illustrious uh, crew, to be honest, dude. Trying to inspire. Yeah. No, but that was like, yeah, I just I remember I was super high on. I took tramadol just to cut the pain, but I generally end up becoming way too high. And I was like, fuck. I didn't feel the pain, and it was okay, but uh, yeah. that was one of a kind well, of. Well, there you go. At least it's got a story behind it, <laughs> which is good. Yeah, no, I, I just find it's like a mech. It's I don't know what it is. It's a, a mechanism. If I'm mm. if I'm up, if I'm feeling rubbish, or if I'm oh, really okay. like happy with you know something. You know, which actually, like, to be honest with you, is a bit volatile, but, you know, live and learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's all right. Cool. Yeah. All right, Max, yeah, thanks for having me on. I think uh, that was a really good podcast. I mean, um, hopefully, like, you're not going to have any injuries, and I think, and I hope that you kind of continue your rugby career, because I think you've got a great mindset for it. Um, I think a lot of people will look up to you, so keep doing what you're doing, and I think I'm sure we'll see more of you in the future. Prime, I have one question. Can I ask it? Sure, go for it. What, what's the, um, what do you see for this podcast? Like why, do, why, why do you do it? And who do you want to listen to it? So I went with, with, with people who I interview on the, on the podcast, I find very interesting. So I feel like they add value to not only the show, but to my life. Um, and like, I feel I can have good conversations where I can learn from it. So for the viewers out there, I feel I, I'd want people who are more in that like athlete mindset who are going to look towards people like you or the people who've had experience before but also you know say it straight as it is you know you, there's no real bullshit for what you're saying it's all it's all true it's all coming from the heart and I think people can see through that and I hope they do because mm. I'm not going to have people on who are just going to talk and say and for the show whatever it is like all the stuff that we talk on here is all legitimate like legit you know mm. um, that, that's why I like to have people like you on I, no I like it I, it's like long-form conversation is so important and yeah. I think it's it's so key for people to just have a chat I could I could go and interview other people in the rugby community if I wanted to but I don't really know them that well and I think like you offer a different dynamic that they would maybe I'm being a bit biased yeah but that's what I feel because like you know it's like uh, I've, I've, I've been on trips with you together I understand you a little bit better so it's 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 good it's nice to hear on, on that kind of vibe so yeah prime mate well I, I like it I good. I keep fighting the good fight hopefully we'll we'll do it again further down the line 100% good stuff awesome. nice